And we're back. Tom, if you're listening, here's your shout-out. Hope you enjoy it, buddy boy. Now how about you tell a friend or foe about the show, you motherfuck? Okay, my producer just gave me the stare down. But anyway, folks, if you send us a DM, a tweet, or an email, you might get a personalized shout-out live on the air. Maybe you want to ask out that girl to prom but don't have the balls to say it in person. Do it via 103.9. Today's show includes a personal story about my 70-something-year-old gym friend, Bob. Silver alerts and hazard lights while driving. A fantastic new sponsor. And we're going to tear apart six suggestions from Bumble themselves for COVID-free dating. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to 103.9 The Show. Hello again, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. If you listen to the show from start to end, please tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell a foe. Everyone out there has got at least one friend or foe. Or maybe you could even tell a family member. Most people have at least one family member. Tell them. Spread the word. Help me out. It would be much appreciated. This show has had a solid amount of growth, but with your help, we could make it even better. I wanted to start off today with a personal story about my 70-something-year-old gym friend named Bob. I don't know exactly how old he is. I can't ask him that. Doesn't really matter. But I wanted to share this story, and I don't even know if it's really going to end up being that funny. But I feel like it's worthwhile to listen to, and I feel like a lot of people will be able to relate to it. So I'm going to share it on here. And if it resonates with you, send us a DM. 103.9theshawn on Instagram, 1039theshawn on Twitter. Or send me an email, 103.9theshawn at gmail.com. We'll take any kind of feedback, criticism, hate mail, whatever you want to throw at us. We'll take it, because we need content. So, basically, this story starts all the way back on February 23rd. That day is always a wild day for me in terms of looking back on what's happened on that day for me. February 23rd, 2012, I was in the hospital, and in the hospital for almost a week, and February 23rd, 2012 was definitely the hardest day of my life because of what I was going through at the time. I'm not really going to go into it here. If you know me well, you know why I was there, but that's not really important right now. And then February 23rd, 2018 is when I got hired at my current job, which I very much enjoy, and I'm very thankful to be where I'm at. So obviously there's mixed emotions whenever February 23rd rolls around on the calendar each year. And so February 23rd, 2022, a couple months ago, I was in the gym working out, and I see my old friend Bob doing the same, 
And Bob is, like I said, he's 70-something years old, and this guy still lifts some pretty solid weight, definitely for his age. He's in good shape. He's in good spirits. He's a nice guy. And I originally started talking to him because I would just, you know, see him a lot. We'd kind of see each other, and eventually one day I just walked over to him and introduced myself, and he seemed like he was happy to talk to me, and we both found out that we are originally from New York, and he's basically a snowbird. He lives in the Hamptons for the summer, and then he comes down here, and he's got a nice lifestyle for sure. So we bonded over that, and his son also played hockey, and I play hockey, so we've got some shit to talk about. So I'll always, you know, say hi to him in the gym and whatnot. And so on February 23rd of this year, I saw him working out, walked over to him, said hi to him. He said, hey, how you doing? I said, ah, oh, you know, can't complain, because basically I'm just grateful to be where I'm at and for who and what I have in my life right now. So I was like, ah, oh, you know, things are good, can't complain. And he goes, well, even if you do complain, no one will listen. And the rest of my workout that day, I kept thinking about that quote over and over and just internalizing it. And it really resonated with me because I agreed. I don't think complaining is ever going to solve anything, and therefore you shouldn't do it. Of course, if there's something that's really wrong, um, you should definitely reach out and talk with a loved one, family member, friend, counselor, therapist, whatever the situation is. If there's a serious problem, of course, go and talk to somebody. But there's a difference between trying to actually solve the problem and just complaining to anyone and everyone that'll listen about something that's bothering you or whatever's going on. So there is a difference. And basically when I got out of the gym that day, I went to Instagram and I made an Instagram story and I went into a little bit more detail about how February 23rd is always a wild day for me to relive and basically how you need to be grateful and appreciate everything that you have in your life, who you have, what you have, everything like that because it could always be worse. And if you don't think so, you just got to be reminded of the fact that you never know what tomorrow holds and, you know, things could be a lot different um, tomorrow and so you just got to appreciate what you have and who you have, focus on the positives and be thankful and work on the things that you're not satisfied with. So the other day I was working out and I was doing bench and I see Bob and I had just started to load up the plates on the flat bench and I had 135 on the bench already and he walks by me and he goes, you need to add another plate to that. And he gives me a smirk and keeps walking. And I knew that he was kidding and I already planned to add another plate because I was gonna be repping 225. And so he's continuing his workout nearby and I'm doing my reps of 225. And we didn't end up talking the rest of that day. But the next day I saw him in the gym again and he walks over to me and he goes, you know I was kidding about you adding plates and I said, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I, I was planning on doing 225 anyway. And he goes, oh, okay. 
he's like, well, that's pretty impressive that you were doing that and repping it. And I was like, yeah, thanks. I've been working on it. And he's like, what do you weigh? He's like, you must weigh, you know, 170 something. And I'm like, oh, I'm actually 186. And he's like, oh, okay, wow. He's like, well, if you can bench your weight, that's that's a good thing. He's like, if you're at 225, you know, that's pretty legit. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. You know, I appreciate it. So that was just, I think he kind of felt bad. And that's why he came over to apologize. Because he didn't know if I knew that he was kidding the day before. And I think he was like, oh shit, I made this guy put more weight on there than he was comfortable with just because I was busting his balls. But I knew that he was kidding. So we cleared the air and it was all good. So then this past weekend, I'm in a uh, barbecue restaurant picking up some food uh, with my girlfriend. And I see Bob. And he's sitting in a booth with a older woman. And I'm like, all right. So I walk over to him and I'm like, hey, Bob, how you doing? So he gets a big smile on his face. He's like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, oh, nothing much. Just here with my girlfriend and picking up some food. And he's like, oh, well, that's great. And he's like, this is my wife, Tula. And so I give her a fist bump as well. I wasn't going to give her a hug and I wasn't going to shake her hand because she's in the middle of eating. But I wanted to do something. So I gave a fist bump to this 70-something-year-old woman. Good-looking couple, you know, for older people, they keep in shape. And so I, I told Tula, I'm like, yeah, you know, I know Bob from the gym, and he works hard, and he still does still does well with the weights. And she's like, oh, yeah, I know it. She's like, you should have seen him 30 years ago. And he's got a big smile on his face, and I'm like, yes. I'm like, these people, this couple, this is couple goals right here. So then Bob was like, yeah, you know, we're going to be heading back up to New York soon, so you won't be seeing me at the gym until November. I'm like, all right, well, hey, it was great seeing you, and uh, have a great summer up in New York, and I'll see you when you get back down here. And he's like, okay, buddy. He's like, keep up the good work. And I'm like, thanks. So overall, it was just a really nice way to kind of cap off the workout season of seeing Bob and I got to meet his wife and yeah, he's a good guy. I don't really know how to end this segment. I hope you got some value out of it. And now we're going to transition to some attempted comedy. All right. So there's two things on the road that I've recently come across that I want to address here because People need to hear about it. So the other day I was driving on I-95 and they have electronic road signs above the road every once in a while. And every once in a while on there you will see a silver alert, which is an alert for a stolen car. And I believe it says dial star 347 or something like that to report if you've seen whatever stolen car they've listed on the sign. So it says silver alert, 1999 gold Plymouth something or other. I don't remember what model, but as I was driving the rest of my way to my destination, I thought to myself, whoever got their car stolen, don't consider it stolen. Consider it someone else's problem. 
Okay, they did you a favor. You had a 1999 gold Plymouth piece of shit, and now it's no longer your problem. That melon probably has more wrong with it by now than you have money for anyway. So report it stolen, maybe get the insurance money. I don't really know how any of that works, thankfully. But if you're driving around a 1999 gold Plymouth POS and it gets stolen, that's their fault. I'm sure they didn't get very far in it. Who knows, maybe they only used it as a quick joyride and left it in a parking lot somewhere because they realized this was going to be more trouble than it's worth. But overall, when I see silver alerts on those electric signs as I'm driving, never once have I gotten the urge to look for the car that they're looking for, and I highly doubt most people do. I feel like most people are driving to their destination or wherever they're going, and they're either listening to a shitty podcast, or music, or talking with people in the car, or trying to prevent some of their children from arguing and fighting in the back seat. They don't give a rat's ass about what car is stolen or missing. That's up for the police to figure out. And if they want more help from the civilians, I think on the sign, after they say silver alert, whatever the make and model and year of the car is, the next part that should appear on the sign is the listed reward for actually finding the car. Give the people an incentive to actually start looking on the road for whatever vehicle has been stolen. If I see a silver alert up on the board and it finishes off with, I don't know, $1,000 or $2,000 reward for information regarding the successful retrieval of said car, then yeah, I'm going to be a little bit more vigilant. But if you're just listing the car up there, I'm sorry, I don't really care. And now to my next point. Sometimes in Florida, as many of you may know, we get some heavy fucking rain and wind down here, some really bad storms, and sometimes you're out driving when the storm hits, and it can get pretty hairy. And especially if you're on the highway, cars will slow down, which is warranted, I agree with, you know. We don't want to have accidents, we don't want to have hydroplaning, so people naturally slow down especially when the visibility goes way down if it's really windy and raining like a bitch. So about a month ago, I was heading to a date with my girlfriend. We were driving to this restaurant and a storm hit. Heavy wind, heavy rain, low visibility. Everyone was literally going probably 20 miles an hour on I-95. And there was a select number of assholes who were driving with their hazard lights on. Now, the reason I have a problem with this is because we're all in this together. We're all going slow. It's raining that hard for everyone. You're 30 feet ahead of me. The weather up in front of you is just the same as it is for me. I'm two seconds behind you. You're not going through anything that I'm not going through. You don't need to put the hazards on. We're all in this together. I understand it's a stressful situation. Nobody likes to drive in heavy rain and heavy wind and barely be able to see 50 feet in front of the car. I get it. Not ideal. 
not fun. My girlfriend and I were not blasting the tunes and having a grand old time while we were making it through that rain, okay? It was a little less chatter. I was trying to focus on the road and ha having us not hydroplane on the way to dinner. Okay, so my focus was on the road mainly. We were chatting a little bit, of course, but my main focus was the road and not having us die. But I didn't have my hazards on. I feel like hazard lights should never be used for the reason of heavy rain and wind because we're all in that. It's affecting every car on the road simultaneously. In my opinion, the hazard lights should be used if your tire went flat and you are slowly pulling over to the side of the road or you're having other some sort of engine malfunction where your car is failing. Yeah, throw those hazards on. Let me know that you're going through some shit. But if we're all going through some shit, like a storm, don't throw your hazards on. Did you buy a tiny house back when that was the cool thing to do before COVID was a thing? And then you spent an entire pandemic in basically a tool shed with a significant other that now drives you up all four walls all at once because it's such a tight space? And now the housing market and insurance rates are so fucked that you don't even think you can afford living in a refrigerator box behind the local shithole bar? Well, it's time to sell that tiny house, buy a camper, and hit the open road. Camper Solutions Plus offers a great deal on new, gently used, or even totally worn-in campers that can fit even the most jacked-up budgets. Head on over to Camper Solutions Plus today and start living everywhere and nowhere all at once. Alright, so our final segment of the day is not going to be exactly dating disasters. We're going to be breaking down something from Bumble themselves. I was on Snapchat earlier, and in the Discover section, I noticed that there was a story spotlight thing from Bumble, so I clicked on it because I knew it might have potential for this show, and the topic was six COVID-free dating ideas to help shake things up. First of all, is COVID still a thing? Because it's certainly not in Florida. It barely was ever anything down here in Florida, and the reason for that is, one, most people didn't give a shit, Two, we have plenty of outdoor activities, restaurants, bars, etc. So we never had to be totally locked down, shut down, and receiving a figurative government beatdown. And therefore, we got to live pretty normally, thankfully. So I don't know what a true lockdown pandemic situation was like, and I'm happy I can say that. But anyway... They suggested six things to shake things up. Let's just shake things up. Shake up the basic bullshit dates. And here's some new ideas. Which, meanwhile, after I read the list, some of them are pretty generic. So they didn't really shake shit. Their first suggestion is a home private screening. It says buy a projector, build a fort, 
and watch something in the comfort of your backyard. That plan sucks. Especially if it's a first date. You can't do that on a first date. Nobody with a rational train of thought is going to invite someone over to their house right away on date number one. And I don't think that's a good idea for either party. Obviously, it's much different for a woman to go to a guy's house right away on date one. I don't think they should do that. The safest bet is to meet out in a public place and make sure that they are a normal person. So a home screening, that would have to be after both people already trust each other. But still, that sucks. And the reason that it sucks is because I don't think many people really care about COVID anymore. And therefore, if you do care about COVID and you're having someone over to watch a movie in your backyard, you're still close to each other. Sure, you're out in the open air with all the mosquitoes biting you to shit, but you could still transmit COVID, especially if you're going to be kissing, making out, and doing other things in that makeshift fort. So I don't really understand how that's a suggestion to avoid the risk of COVID. Number two on their list was volunteer at an animal shelter or soup kitchen together. Number one, if you're doing that on a first date, that's really stupid, because if you're walking through an animal shelter, it might be loud. How are you supposed to get to know each other and create rapport with someone through incessant barking or other animal noises? And a soup kitchen could be loud, who knows, or it could be just so busy that you don't really have time to get to know each other that much. They might put you right to work, and who knows, they might put you to work in different areas. But... As far as avoiding COVID in any of those situations, they're both inside. Animal shelters, soup kitchens, so you're in an enclosed space, and if you're that worried about COVID, that's not really solving the issue, in my opinion. Number three, DIY beverage ranking, they said. This one isn't that bad, but they said go to a grocery store, buy some different beers, bring it to a park, and then drink the beers <laughs> and rank them. Uh, it's not a bad idea, I guess, but I don't understand how they consider that shaking things up. That's nothing totally out of left field providing new ideas to anyone. That seems like a kind of a basic idea that I'm sure many people have done before the pandemic, during, and still do now. Number four was another very dumb one. Have a virtual cook-off of the same recipe. So basically they want to get you to on a video chat, FaceTime, whatever, any kind of Snapchat, Instagram, video chat, whatever the situation is, Zoom, Skype, whatever the hell you want to do. You get on a video chat and you both cook the same recipe at the same time. How stupid. It says, have a comparison and see who could do the best job of presentation. And then you're both just supposed to eat the meal over the video chat and convince the other person that you didn't fuck up and add too much salt by not making your face move when you go to take that first bite. This is really stupid. The whole point of cooking a recipe together is to do it together in the same kitchen and to bond and create memories and and then taste the food together. And if it sucks, you order a pizza. You can't taste the other person's food through the phone. 
You can't smell it. You can't do anything. So a virtual cook-off, to me, shitty idea. Number five, they said create your own question cards and ask the other person questions through video chat. Uh, that's called a normal fucking date. The whole point of a first date, or even any other date, is to create rapport, create connection, create a bond, learn about the person, make the person laugh, make the person feel heard, appreciated, understood, all that stuff. So asking them questions through video chat is nothing out of the ordinary to shake things up. And the last one, number six, was hike a trail. It's not a bad idea. It's a good active date. But that's not shaking things up. Sure, you're outside, you're avoiding COVID, as long as you're not kissing. Maybe you're just giving her a hug like a basic bitch. But hiking a trail is not a new idea. People have done it pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, and after. So, in my opinion, this list of six COVID-free dating ideas to shake things up is nothing but a disaster in and of itself. If you enjoyed the show and you listened from start to end, please tell a friend. If you hate the show, please tell a foe. You can follow us on Instagram, 103.9theshawn, or on Twitter, 1039theshawn, or send us an email, 103.9theshawn at gmail.com. Coming up next, we're going to be interviewing the owner of the 1999 Gold Plymouth You-Know-What and grilling them with questions. Number one being, did they purposely get the car stolen for the insurance money? Because we know the 23-year-old car has little to no Kelly Blue Book value, and no one in their right mind would purchase a thing like that. Ah... A possible scandal unfolding. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to 103.9 The Shun. 103.9 The Shun.